0: Welcome, welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is your host Jay Chima, with the pride and joy of the Merrimack Lancaster. Welcome to Brother Man Podcast 142. How are you doing?
1: Doing great. Doing great. Living the dream, Jay. Uh, you know, today was franchise tag deadline. Some people got tagged, some people did not. And we're going to talk about a big name that did get tagged and what the ramifications are in the league on that and fun stuff, Jay. I'm doing great. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I was telling you earlier today, I was on the phone with you for a little bit. You know, the NFL truly does not stop. It does not, you know, skip a beat. I feel like we just got done with the Super Bowl just a little bit ago, right? And then all of a sudden you had the combine. People got worked up on that. Now all of a sudden we've got tag day. And then next week, we, we haven't even hit like frequency yet. So like the start of the league year is next week a lot of things are rumbling it's fun it's fun the nfl is always fun
1: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah so the big news that came out of today one lamar jackson got franchise tagged by the baltimore ravens now it wasn't the actual full-on exclusive tag it was the non-exclusive tag which means basically he gets paid 32.4 million dollars but he has the ability to go out there and negotiate with any other team. Now, if they come to an agreement of what the, to, for a contract, then the Baltimore Ravens can either match that or ship him off to set team for two first-round picks. So, Puma, what's your thoughts on that? How, how do you think Lamar Jackson feels right now?
1: Uh, I feel like Lamar is a little bit pissed just because, mm-hmm. you know, kind of to him, he's probably feeling like, oh, this is how the Ravens value me. But... Jay, we've been banging this drum for, God knows, two months now, especially since we started going live with this. The Ravens were not going to get in the business of guaranteeing contracts in the NFL, regardless of position. The Ravens weren't going to do it. The NFL does not want to do it. And personally, I think every NFL owner is pissed at what the Haslams did with Deshaun Watson and giving him a fully guaranteed contract because now every player in the NFL is going to potentially want this, especially at the quarterback position. Um, so now, you know, La- the, the Ravens are going to let the league set the, the market mm-hmm. and the value for, for Lamar. And you can ca- already count on, you know, one hand and a couple of, ch- you know, other fingers on your other, how many teams have already said that they're out on wanting Lamar Jackson. The which Dolphins is shocking, are out. right? Right. It's a former MVP that we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Dolphins are out on him. The Falcons are out on him, which is interesting because, you know, maybe Desmond Ritter is the guy. We don't have access to what he does, has done in practice, but I feel like Lamar would fit what, you know, Arthur Smith is trying to run down there in Atlanta for an offense. Um, you know, the Falcons are out. The Ravens, uh, the, the Raiders can't afford him because, you know, I don't think, uh, Al Davis's kid, Mark Davis, has enough money to put in escrow to fully guarantee him <laughs> And the other yeah. thing, 2J, not even getting into like the X's and O's, because now you have to change the offense. What teams have the salary cap to give him $50 million fully guaranteed on a year mm-hmm. on year out basis? Like, it's really just the Falcons at this point that have the cap space.
0: Yeah, and um here's my thought process. I am really, really torn if this is a good move by the Ravens or not. Because part of me thinks, okay, this is uh this is basically them admitting for two years we've been negotiating with this guy. We can't seem to come up with any sort of solution. So let's let's have the league set the market for us, right? So you know, Lamar Jackson will go out there, he'll try to negotiate a contract, he'll come back to the Ravens, and if all you know, if all is well, then they'll trade him to that team for two first round picks. Now, the other part of me thinks, you know, this is a bad move for the Ravens. Should he go to a different team, they would get two first-round picks back. In my opinion, two first-round picks is light for Lamar Jackson. Like, am I right here where, like, I feel like Trey Lance was three first-round picks, right? Deshaun Watson was three first-round picks. Lamar Jackson, no baggage at all, could get you three-plus picks. Well, it could be three first-rounders, a couple of second-rounders. So I think, like, you know, I'm torn with, how the Ravens played this. Part of me thinks it's a good move because now the the NFL sets the market for them and they can kind of match it. But the other part of me thinks if he does walk and he you know you basically let him go to a different team, all you get is two first round picks back.
1: Mm-hmm. No, for sure, I, I definitely get that aspect of things. But when you look at you know the quarterback pipeline per se, like with how athletic these guys have been, and we're gonna hit on that at some point in the podcast today of like the Anthony Richardson's of the world who mm-hmm. had a fantastic combine. You can get these guys on a rookie contract, four years guaranteed, fifty-year option, and then two franchise tags and move on to the next. Like it's a bigger gamble because you know, first round draft picks are, you know, a 50-50 split pretty much. Uh, but again, it's it just the, the NFL wants out of giving fully guaranteed contracts, and it, mm-hmm. it might sound like it wouldn't be the first time the NFL colluded on anything. Let me just yeah. put it to you that way. Yeah. All right.
0: So let me let me ask you this question, because I'm of the firm belief that Lamar Jackson is not signed that franchise tag. Like, I, I truly believe he's not playing next year for thirty two point four million dollars. So what's your thought process? Do you think Lamar Jackson signs a franchise tag? And if he does, do you think he can stomach sitting there playing for just thirty two million dollars next year? Which I, which, by the way, is a lot of money for all, all regular people like me and you. Thirty two million dollars is an insane amount of money. But for his market value, the the caliber player he is, that's $15 million below his average and what the league is paying for his type of player.
1: Right. But at least it's 32 fully guaranteed. But Mm -hmm. uh, here's the thing, though, too. So just like a timeline for the tag. So he he can negotiate with teams up until July 17th. The the 17th is a cutoff time where the other teams can do a offer sheet. And this is where the Ravens can potentially match this or say, no, give us our two first round draft picks after the 17th. He has until the Tuesday after week 10 to sign that tender in order to have him uh, have the year accrue towards free agency, because if he doesn't sign it, he's not going to be a free agent the following season. So he's not, I don't think he's going to levy on bell himself because we saw what happened with levy on bell uh, when, when he did that with the pits with the Steelers and he tried to play chicken with them and, they called this bluff and that was that. Um, so I think he's going to sign the tag uh, and they're going to, tra-
0: when do you th- now, when do you think he's going to sign a tag? Because that's key here, right? Like he couldn't drag this out all the way into training camp, right? Like I feel as if he's going to do whatever is possible to kind of delay signing that tag. And I don't know why I feel that way.
1: I think it'll be, I think it'll be done before the season starts. I, I, I think, mm-hmm. you know, because you know, he can't play without it. And I, you know, sure Tyler Huntley could fill in until potentially week 10. But at the end of the day, like I don't think, I also think if he doesn't sign that tender prior to the start of the season, you know, the optics of that to like another team that may want to sign him in free agency. Like, let's say the Ravens do like the Washington commanders to just keep tagging them until they can't anymore. Like, what are the optics of that going to be, like, down the road of, oh, like, do we really want like, to, like, to try to negotiate with this guy? Like, is he going to be, you know, hardball, hard guy to deal with type of deal? I think he'll sign before before the, the start of the season. I don't think he's going run to the, run the clock all the way down to zero to week 10.
0: Okay, let's move this forward. So let's say he signs the franchise tender before the 17th of June or July, whatever the number was. July. Um, yeah, so July. So basically he can go out there and negotiate with other teams. A lot of teams have already come out and said we're not interested in Lamar Jackson, which, by the way, I don't understand. Now, it could be something like the the Browns did a couple of years ago because a couple of years ago, the Browns said they're not interested in Deshaun Watson. And then they traded for him. So it could just be just smoke. The teams are, are saying this now. But it seems like the Falcons are out on him. The Miami Dolphins are out on him. So if you have to guess right now, is there a certain team that could make a, a run of Lamar Jackson? And I know you got a pretty, pretty funny conspiracy theory here.
1: <laughs> Jay, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked that question. I think it's going to be the team across the beltway. And I think it's going to be the Washington um, Commanders because Dan Snyder, prior to all of the nonsense that has gone on in that franchise has come to light over the last couple of years. Uh, he has had a penchant of doing that big contract to players like Albert Hainsworth and Champ Bailey and, and yeah. Bruce Smith. <laughs> he has no problem paying the extra the extra money to get a, a marquee talent to his franchise. But the other thing, though, Jay, is let's say he does offer a fully guaranteed contract. Mm-hmm. And then within, let's say, six months, he mm-hmm. sells the Washington Commanders. He's not yeah. paying that contract anymore. Yeah. That's, That's that a- new team. Mm-hmm. So yep. the ultimate bafangul to the NFL mm-hmm. on the way out the door with, while he's potentially getting seven billion dollars of Jeff Bezos or whatever, you know, group is going to buy that team is, hey, I gave out a fully guaranteed contract. Yeah adios yeah. you know amigo insert a couple other acronyms here yeah i think the washington commanders could totally do that but also like let's let's say like dan sider is not that petty but we all know that he is you know you have lamar jackson with a new off- offensive coordinator that he's been going to bat for for a while and trying to get him a job and eric the and mm-hmm. let's say like yep. maybe things don't work out at the start of the season Ron Rivera might lose his job. They promote Eric the Enemy to head coach. Now he's got the interim head coach, plays out the rest of the year, and then he's potentially the head coach the following season with Lamar Jackson. I don't think that's too far of a bridge to cross.
0: Yeah, and the Washington uh, Commanders, they do have a solid roster. Like I was looking at their weapons the other day for our Preview later on about the NFC East. I mean, they've got Jahan Dotson, Terry McLaurin, like they've got some really good pieces to make it work with they with a uh, with a good quarterback. Now the 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 uh, the Dan Snyder angle of this, I find it funny you brought that up just because you know we've talked about this before. I truly believe the reason why this is so ugly for the for Lamar Jackson and the Ravens is I believe that Steve Bisciotti, who is a seasoned you know veteran of the NFL is trying to take back the quarterback market. I mean, there's rumblings that a lot of these owners are not happy with where the quarterback market's going because obviously that affects the bottom line. As as the contracts get bigger, less money in their pocket, right? Simple math. But it, it seems that what the uh, the Browns owners did, the Haslims, with uh, with Deshaun Watson seems to really irk a lot of these owners the wrong way, um, whether it's, you know, Jerry Jones, Robert Kraft, Steve Rashidi, all these, like, harding you know, grizzled veterans of the NFL they're trying to take the quarterback market back, and it starts with Lamar Jackson. And imagine if, on the way out, Dan Snyder gives them one final middle finger salute with a fully guaranteed contract. Because then, because then it provides precedence, right? Because right now, Deshaun Watson is a single case, single case in NFL history, first fully guaranteed contract. But now you got two of them, right? Now you've got a can of worms with every quarterback coming out, coming down the line, essentially wanting a guaranteed contract.
1: Yeah, you have, I mean, let's look down the road. You have Joe Burrow, you have Tua, you have <laughs> Justin Herbert, like the list goes on and on and on. So yeah, this would be like the ultimate point, you know, in business, they call it like the poison pill where like the yeah. shareholders like do whatever they can to make the stock of that company that the uh, the, the the new person that's going to buy it, make look as unappealing as humanly possible. That would be like a poison pill contract right there. And there's yeah. nothing like there's nothing the league can do about it because Dan Snyder is well within his right. If he has the cap space and he has the money he can put in escrow, maybe mm-hmm. that's like the ultimate like nuclear option that Dan Snyder's always had in his back pocket of, oh, I'll make the owners pay type of deal if they really try to force me to sell this team. All right, you can force me to sell this team. Have fun having Jeff Bezos pay fifty billion on a year annually for the yeah. next six years. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah. man, I would be here for it. Yeah.
0: Before we move on to Aaron Rodgers, we've got a comment from a Joe Rusillo.
1: Ah, up on the screen. There, he says, "Look Ayo. at that! <laughs> First time, long time front of the podcast, Joe Rusillo, Glad you're in the chat. Glad you're enjoying this pod. Love it.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for listening and interacting, Joe." Um. All right. Let's talk about some some stuff here. The Aaron Rodgers saga—it just seems to go on and on, doesn't it? Huh? <laughs> oh my
1: God, it's like the Energizer Bunny, man. But it's like it's yeah. fate complete at this point. Yep. Yeah.
0: Well, the latest rumblings are the the New York Jets, a contingent of them, whether it was their head coach, a general manager, owner, got on a flight today from New York, went out to L.A. I'm sorry, California, to meet with Aaron Rodgers. Um, the thought process being. You know, it seems that Aaron Rodgers' options are dwindling. Uh, It seems like he's either going to be playing for the New York Jets this year, playing for the Green Bay Packers, or retiring. I have on the mindset that Aaron Rodgers is probably not retiring. He's probably playing this year just because, you know, this is the same year Tom Brady retired. So five years from now, I feel like Aaron Rodgers wouldn't want to share the day of going to the Hall of Fame with Tom Brady. I feel like he would want his own day. So with that being said, do you think it's basically a done deal between Aaron Rodgers and the Jets? Because I feel like it's starting to get there. Like, the heat is there. There's so much fire between these two that it's probably going to end up happening in the next week or so, in my opinion.
1: Oh, yeah. I think this, like I said at the top, this is fait accompli. This is what we've been talking about for the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks. And <clears throat> it's for the Jets, which is funny because, you know, the, the Jets missed out on Derek Carr. And some people would say, oh, my God, like, Derek Carr is plan A. Like, that's get out of here. It's Aaron Rodgers. Jay, like the back of the New York post today had Mm -hmm. a picture of Aaron Rodgers and it said plan B. And there, there were a couple (laughs) of Jets, there were a couple of Jets people that I work with, Jets fans that I work with. And they, they were actually kind of bummed that they missed out on Derek Carr because they don't want the baggage of Aaron Rodgers going to go into the big apple because, you know, we talked about it off air, but like how much buy-in does Aaron have? Like if you're going to be giving up all these draft picks, like, are you going to show up to OTAs to get that relationship with your young wide receiver core that you've been begging for while you are in, in, in green Bay, but you always have like the passive aggressiveness and put people in a doghouse. Yeah. Like, are are you going to actually commit to playing for more Mm -hmm. than one year? Because if I'm the jets and I'm giving up minimum two first, like the Broncos gave up two first round picks or, or three first rounders and a couple of second round picks to get Russell Wilson like how much are the jets are going to have to give up they're, like two part, minimum part Budweiser. <laughs> Ah, look at that but they're gonna have to give up they're gonna have, you know handful of uh, uh first round picks yeah. two three minimum just to get them like why why are you gonna do that and then have them potentially retire at the end of the season like you're gonna have to get some guarantees from aaron and his camp of how much buy-in there is and mm-hmm. then you know one of the people I work with brought up a good point, Mr. You know, he had a lot of questions about like the COVID vaccine and all that nonsense. He's working for the family that, that runs Johnson and Johnson. Like, I mean, this is so, this is fantastic. (laughs) Like, this is going to be great. The jets are going to get him because the only other option at this point is Jimmy G who's probably going to stub his toe in training camp and break his Mm -hmm. leg somehow. Uh, you know, the Baker Mayfield experiment, like maybe, hey, we always wanted Baker instead of Sam Darnold. We're just going to get Baker like five or six years later. Like, you're going to get the Baker Mayfields of the world. Like, you know, they were potentially kicking the tires on bringing Geno Smith back. Like, Mm -hmm. you're going to have to get this guy. Whether or not he's going to take a flamethrower to that locker room, (laughs) I am here for it, Jay. I am here for it.
0: Popcorn, popcorn worthy stuff with how badly his, you know, demeanor and the New York media market is going to mesh because they're going to eat him alive. They are Mm going to absolutely eat him alive. And if I'm the New York Jets and I'm sitting down with Aaron Rodgers today, I really only want to know one thing from him. I want to know how committed are you? Because reports have come out of Green Bay that the, the Packers are disgusted with him because when he signed his extension last year, he basically checked out. He didn't show up to the offseason. He didn't put in work with the new wide receivers, a bunch of rookie wide receivers that needed to mesh with him. He was not in any of those meetings. He basically showed up week uh, day one of training camp and said, let's roll, let's roll the balls out. And that's not how it's done in the NFL. It's a process from March all the way to the first game. So I want to know if I'm Woody Johnson, just how committed he is because Right now, Aaron Rodgers is guaranteed $110 million over the next two years. I believe it's, was it was a 40 59 this year and then 41 the next year. Mm-hmm. i might have that backwards, but it's $110 million over the next two years. That's a lot of money to, to invest in somebody that isn't fully committed. So if I'm sitting down with him today, I'm trying to figure out what's this guy all about, right? And the second question that, you know, not the, the owner doesn't have to answer this, but the, the front office people, as they break down his tape, does he still have it? Because let's be real. For two years, back-to-back, he won MVP with Nathaniel Hackett. Last year, he declined in every single statistical category. Like, everything he did last year was was a slide from where he was. And I know, you know, Tom Brady has basically... Muddy the water with some of this stuff because Tom Brady went to a new team and won immediately. So now everybody thinks, hey, listen, you put a Aaron Rodgers on a New York Jet stack roster, you win the Super Bowl, right? That's not really how the NFL works. We saw a prime example of this last year where Russell Wilson went to a loaded roster in Denver and it was an absolute train wreck. So, you know, it's not a guarantee that if Aaron Rodgers does show up to uh to New York and you know is on that roster, they're gonna win the Super Bowl. So we'll have to we'll have to kind of talk about that now. The one thing I want to ask you is, you know, what is the ceiling for the Jets with Aaron Rodgers? Because, you know, everybody thinks it's Super Bowl or bust at this point, but do you think, you know, is Super Bowl in the cards there? Like, what do you think is the ceiling for the Jets with Aaron Rodgers?
1: <laughs> Assuming Aaron Rodgers has a unlimited supply of ayahuasca to keep that man's ass <laughs> calm in the locker room and with the media. Yeah. I mean... I I would say potentially an AFC championship game. I think it's just. Really? I I just think it with that defense, which has been borderline elite last year, let's assume they take care of their boy and they bring back Quentin Williams on a contract extension that he's been looking for. um, I think they could potentially make a run deep in the playoffs. And if they fell into the AFC championship game against like the chiefs or, or the bills or the Bengals, I, I would not be shocked. Um, yeah. but at the same time, in reality land, like the NFC East, uh, the NFC in a, as a whole is cakewalk compared to the Hell in a Cell known as the uh, you know the American football conference uh with the Chiefs and the Bengals and you know the Steelers have always been a tough out and you know the Bills and the Dolphins assuming like Tua can keep his head on his shoulders and (laughs) you know like the Browns are going to potentially surprise not surprise the people they're going to be getting you know what this uh what they got from uh the contract with Deshaun Watson so like they're going to be able to make a run potentially in the playoffs. But that's assuming Aaron Rodgers isn't moody. He's actually going to show up and connect with these players. So, like, ultimate ceiling for me, AFC Championship game. Reality land with the landscape of the AFC, a wild card. Like, I would Mm -hmm. would definitely have that as kind of like the minimum where the bar is going to be set.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think that it's gonna be it's gonna be a wild card win and that's it. Like I truly believe that. Because I've always said that Aaron Rodgers is is a fraudulent leader. Uh, I think he's a leader that doesn't have what it takes to win on a consistent basis because winning in the NFL is one of the hardest things to do, and you've got to have a backbone. And as a quarterback, that backbone has to basically your, – your team has to take on your identity, right, to win in the, in, the, in the playoffs. So, you know, I think on talent alone, they could probably, you know, win the division depending on how the Buffalo Bills are going to look next year. Uh, I feel as if the Buffalo Bills are going to have a little bit of a stack back next year. Um, you know, the, the Patriots do nothing to worry about. And then the Miami Dolphins, if two has hurt, then obviously they're nothing to worry about either. So, you know, it comes down to I think they can win the division but I think they're going to get bounced in the divisional round. They won the wild card against a crappier team, but they're not going to make it. They're not going to go any further than that. And this is, you know, the, the same old thing again, where everybody thinks just like Tom Brady went down Tampa Bay, you can just stick somebody on a team like that and you can win. I just don't think it's possible. It's, it takes a lot more than just that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, nope, For sure.
0: Now, before we move on to the NFC East preview, a lot has happened, right? Uh, Daniel Jones got some stupid money. Geno Smith got some stupid money. Derek Carr got some stupid money. What is a, a move that you've seen over the last couple of days that's really kind of made you sit back and think, what the hell is happening here? Like, what are we doing?
1: <laughs> honestly, honestly, it was Daniel the Giants news today. Yeah. Daniel and, and yeah. Jake, you like the Derek Carr, like you say, the Derek Carr contract's stupid. The Geno Smith one is stupid. I mean, honestly. I yeah. will take those contracts I over said. Yeah. forty-three for you know million eighty guaranteed over the first two years for a guy who threw fifteen touchdown passes. Mm-hmm. Like I would, I would, I would take you know Geno Smith or, or Derek Carr over over uh, Daniel Jones. And for those that you know didn't see the news, uh, literally minutes before the deadline today on whether or not the Giants were going to tag him or not, uh, they hammered out a deal. Uh, four years, 168 million, 80 Mm -hmm. something guaranteed. So you're looking at an annual value of like 40 million a year, but like the back end of the contracts essentially is funny money. So it's essentially a two year deal. Um, But, you know, that allowed them to keep, you know, keep Daniel Jones and then, you know, hit uh, hit Saquon Barkley with the franchise tag. Uh, You know, it's, it just, to me, Looking back and like if this was the contract that they were going to do, then they have massively mishandled not picking up the fifth year option and then just tagging him after that, because, yeah, I-, I think this is going to be an albatross of a contract. You know, a lot of Giants fans that I, you know, I hear calling in on WFAN <laughs> and, yeah. you know, one that's near and dear to our hearts, uh friend of the uh. pod, Fawad Chima, a.k.a. your brother His brother of the pod (laughs) has been badgering all season long. Oh, his practice squad. Oh, this offensive line's going to get him killed. Oh, he's got nobody to throw to. You are getting paid $80 million over two Mm -hmm. years now. You better figure out a way to cut by hook or by crook, win some games. Because he hasn't won a whole lot in his first four years. And yeah, Brian Dayball may have unlocked him, but you were paying what was the math, Jay? Three million per touchdown from last year. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Uh,
0: I think this is the first misstep in the Brian Dayball Joe Shane era. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. I mean, I think here's what happened: they did They wanted to make sure they kept both Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, and to make sure that you tagged Saquon Barkley. They gave Daniel Jones a contract that was well worth above his, his pay grade. That's simply what happened. They panicked. They, they tagged Saquon Barkley to keep him in-house. The and then they gave a stupid contract to Daniel Jones. And I think it's the first misstep in their regime. Now, looking at the numbers itself. It's $160 million plus $35 million in incentives. So you're looking at 195 divided by four. That's a $48.5 million potential contract if he hits all those uh, incentives. That That is stupid money. That is absolutely stupid money for Daniel Jones. So, I mean, listen, I I think the kid is he, – he's all right. Like, what are we doing here? He has 15 touchdowns last year. I'm not saying he's bad. He's not the, the Daniel Jones of, of past. But he's he's getting paid like he's a top five quarterback now, and he does not produce like a top five quarterback. Fifteen touchdowns. Here's a here's a crazy stat. Last year, Daniel Jones started how many games? Sixteen. Mm-hmm. He's thrown fifteen touchdowns. All all last three years so far of his career, all three years he's 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 played more games than touchdowns he's thrown.
1: Wow let that sink in <laughs> that is so you know stupid <laughs> you know what this is jay like and i, I said in the group chat with your brother it, like th- this reminds me of the contract <laughs> the jacksonville jaguars Blake Portals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. like I, I think that was right after they went to the afc championship game or maybe it was the year before but like they backed up the brinks truck for them and that is when the wheels fell off the bus and like it's almost like for Giants fans, maybe they have like amnesia. This is what happened with Eli. Like, they mm-hmm. gave him an insane amount of money because of two things. One, they, they rested their laurels on like the two Super Bowls that they won. And two, like ownership just like the guy as like a good human, which is, which Safety's is fine. Right? That, which mm-hmm. is fine. But like the Maris and the Tishes like Daniel Jones for being a person. But there's a reason why this coaching staff. And the general manager did not pick up the 50 year option on this guy because they didn't think he could be the guy. He's just a dude. Like he's middle of the pack. He's like Kirk cousins. Uh, You know, like Jimmy G like he's right there. And all I can say is I hope they play the Minnesota Vikings a lot on the schedule coming up. (laughs) It's like, that's the only way I can justify this contract making sense. And, I mean, what's going to happen, Jay? Like, are they really going to tag? Like, because like the big thing that with this franchise has been DJ has never been able to play a full season with Saquon Barkley. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you have potentially a full season with Saquon Barkley under the franchise tag. Are they just going to keep tagging Saquon until they can't tag him anymore? Like you're Probably. going to have to find out what Daniel Jones is without Saquon Barkley for the, for the, the foreseeable future. Like, yeah. You know you're going to be thrown to Richie well, James a lot, and you're going to be thrown thrown at the, the Hodges a lot too.
0: Well, I don't know why they tagged Saquon Barkley. Like you can find a, a running back anywhere in the draft. Like you took uh, the Chiefs took Isaiah Pacheco seventh round uh, rookie, and he produced just fine. And I've seen the Patriots over the years just cycle through running backs left and right. It's a devalued position in the NFL, and, and I cannot believe that they allowed their fear of losing Saquon Barkley and him and getting him tagged to warrant the stupid-ass contract to Daniel Jones. Now, listen, it, it's on them. It's on them. They got to do what they got to do. Go ahead.
1: You know why they tagged him? Why? Because the Tishes and Maras also love Saquon Barkley as a person. Damn. Damn. That That is it. Hey that man, is it.
0: That That's so stupid. And if that's and the, if one that's one, the
1: case, I'm going to put yeah. some friggin' pads on, and I'm going to try to be buddy-buddy <laughs> with the Maras and Tishes to <laughs> try to get $40 million out of them.
0: Yeah, you bring their favorite Starbucks to them every single day, right? <laughs>
1: yes, exactly, exactly.
0: Well, last point here. At the money contract that Daniel Jones is at now, the expectations are for him to elevate his team because now at $40 million a pop, that takes money away from by you know getting you a nice offensive lineman, get you a nice wide receiver, getting you a nice running back. So now Daniel Jones has to elevate his team, and we're going to really find out what he's, what he's made
1: of. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jay, we were talking about this. Like, I want to see a minimum of I mean, you said it, like he has to double his production. So
0: if 30, he doubles his production 32 with 30 touchdowns. touchdowns, if he doubles his production to 30 touchdowns, it's still not top five where the
1: stats wise. Mm-hmm. Nope. But they're gonna have to he's gonna have to make leaps and bounds. Like there's mm-hmm. no excuse now. So like now, if he does border it up, I don't want to hear a peep from Giants fans being oh, like. <laughs> oh, it, it built in the excuses. Oh, it's practice squad. Well, it's kind of hard to get a, a top five, or top tier wide receiver when you're paying Blake Bortles 1.2 forty million dollars.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. All right. Um, anything else we have on before we jump into our NFC East nah, preview?
1: NFC East. NFC what East preview. So here we come.
0: <laughs> All right, let's talk about the three-point plan for the Eagles offseason. We're doing this series on a weekly basis where last week we touched on the AFC's teams. This week it's the NFC's teams. Next week we don't know who it is just yet. But if you have to give me your three points right now for the offseason game plan for the Philadelphia Eagles, what what would that be?
1: I think they're going to have to address the running back position. Uh, I mean, it seems like it's always been like the Boston Scott, you know, Miles Sanders with a little bit of Kenny Gainwell sprinkled in there. Uh, I feel like they're not that sold on Miles Sanders being the guy. So I think they're going to go back in the draft and potentially find their own Isaiah Pacheco, um, you know, on the offensive line, I think they're going to have to address some issues because, you know, Jason Kelsey's not getting any younger, you know, uh, Lane Johnson's been having, I mean, he got it through an injury. He's going to, I think he had surgery. He's slated to have surgery. So he might be, you know, out for a bit. Uh, So I definitely think they're going to have to address the offensive line issue. And I kind of want to see what this coaching staff is going to look like Mm -hmm. because they lost both their offensive and defensive coordinators to head coaching gigs in the Indianapolis Colts and the uh, Arizona Cardinals. So I want to, I want to see how that's going to play out with things and see if Jalen Hurts is going to be able to build off of, I mean, let's call it for what it is. It would have been a MVP season if he didn't didn't have the the shoulder (laughs) injury. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Mines is very simple as well. Number one, you got to sign Jalen Hurts for an extension. Number two, you got to prioritize which free agents can walk and which ones you got to keep in-house. And number three, you got to figure out your defensive coordinator position and is Sean Desai going to be the guy. So number one, Jalen Hurts. Sign to him an extension as soon as possible. He's the guy. There's no need to prolong this. The more you wait, the higher his price gets. And it's imperative that you sign him before Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, and Herbert sign. Because the second they sign, what's Jalen Hurst going to do? He's going to go to the front office and be like, listen, this is what they signed for. I went to the Super Bowl last year. Herbert didn't even go there. Lamar Jackson went to one. And Joe Burrow, who went to one, obviously he's getting paid a shit ton. So I want to match that contract. So you get this done ASAP, you get ahead of it, and don't, don't destroy the, the mojo you have going on right now. You see what's happening in Baltimore with uh, with Lamar Jackson. Number two, 11 out of the 22 starters could potentially be gone. Like that, mm-hmm. I didn't realize that. When I'm, doing, when I'm doing my prep for this podcast, 11 of 22 starters – could walk in free agency.
1: And they didn't tag anybody, Jay. Mm -hmm. They Mm -hmm. tagged zero. So
0: when you have have that many people up for contracts, that means a lot of them are going to walk. It's just how the NFL business model is set up, right? So you got to prioritize the ones that you need for your core group of players. You've got to keep players like James Bradbury or Javon Hargrove. You can, you know, but you can you can replenish some of the other guys that walk. So Miles Sanders, like you said, Miles Sanders is nothing special. He disappeared down the stretch, so let him walk. You replenish him. Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, you can let those guys walk as well. There's a good chance they have played their last games as as Philadelphia Eagles. They're in their 30s. You know, you're, there's a good chance they're not going to be on the roster again. But you got to prioritize James Badbury and Javon Hargrove in the 10th degree, in, in like the most degree possible. And then finally, Sean DeSai. He's a new uh, defensive coordinator, and what we saw out of that Philadelphia Eagles defense in the Super Bowl is, like, scarring. Like, I was I was stunned at just how bad um, Jonathan Gannon and that team were outclassed by Andy Reid. Now, obviously, Andy Reid is a hell of an offensive coordinator, and he can scheme up and, you know, fool you, but they were, at certain times, they weren't even within, like, striking distances from the players, so... Hopefully, Sean DeSai is a better defensive coordinator than Jonathan Gannon, and hopefully, they can be better, well prepared for the game, for the games as the as the season rolls on. I mean, we said this before the Super Bowl started. I had a feeling the Eagles' defense was a little fraudulent, just because they really didn't get tested by nobody. All the play, all the quarterbacks they played against were, were were not the best. So the second they saw a real quarterback, it was basically lights out. I mean, they they looked lost out there.
1: Yep, and Sean DeSai, fun fact. Pride and joy of Shelton, Connecticut.
0: No way. Are you serious?
1: Yep. Yep.
0: Wow. Pride and well, joy. Cool. I think
1: he uh, he played played high school football up here, right down the road from my house, and uh, he I believe won a state title or went to a state title. But Sean aside, pride and joy of Shelton, Connecticut.
0: Wow. Look at that. You probably run into him at that local uh, the spot you go get your bagel in the morning. or if you see Yeah, the there, good old day. Big
1: Y. <laughs> probably, but well, you know, what's, be, what's being that a bagel dumbass?
0: spot? What's the bagel spot you go to? You get the uh, the rolls, the the Portuguese oh. rolls.
1: Oh, Auntie's Cafe. I Get my uh, you know sausage, egg, and cheese with a hash brown on a hard roll. That
0: stuff Chef is good, is.
1: dude. That stuff is good. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, let's move on to a three-point plan for the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> this should be fun. Hey, let me start this off real quick. I um I have a lot of things to say here, especially about Dak Prescott. <laughs> the
1: floor is yours.
0: My first. Point for the Dallas Cowboys this in this offseason is you've got a drafter of placement for Dak Prescott, and you cannot under any circumstances extend him. There is this rumbling coming out of Dallas that they might extend him again. Blah blah blah. I'm thinking to myself, bro, the guy's peaked. Like he is who he is. He's 30 year old. He's 30s. 30, 30 years old now. He's been in the league for nine years, and he has not produced what you want him to produce. And he's not. He simply not that guy. And there's a reason why the Cowboys have been sniffing around CJ Stroud and a couple of other draft um, prospects at the Combine. So first things first, draft a replacement for Dak and do not extend him. Secondly, I did these notes a couple of days ago, and the note was you've got to keep Dallas Pollard in-house somehow. And today they franchise tagged him. So Dallas, I mean, I mean uh, I'm sorry, Tony Pollard, a stunning a stunning running back like he, he played at a phenomenal level last year i believe it was 5.9 per touch which was uh which was by far the best and a career high of 5.1 yards per carry so he he seems to be the future of running back you have to keep him in house you franchise tagged him he's staying in house that's perfect and then finally you've got to add another piece on the other side of cd lamb um you gotta do whatever you can to provide another option for Dak prescott Um, whether it's going out there and trying to get DeAndre Hopkins um, via trade um, or you take somebody in the draft. Uh, A name that I like for these guys is Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee, maybe at 2060 still there, big-bodied explosive receiver. So that's my three-point plan for the Cowboys uh, this offseason.
1: Nice. Uh, Right there with you on the CD Lamb bit, I mean, we saw this was kind of like the move that the Cowboys made last year that kind of bit them in the ass down the stretch at times uh, in the NFL season uh, was – they got rid of Amari Cooper and they made it like CeeDee Lamb was the guy and they were just throwing coverage to him. And it was really like the only other option was was Dalton Schultz. And Dalton Schultz mm-hmm. is probably going to be walking in free agency because he didn't get tagged. You know, uh, Tony Pollard yeah. did. So, you, I mean, getting him, getting a, a complimentary piece, whether or not it's Jerry Jones doing Jerry Jones things and trading for DeAndre Hawkins or you Do go in the on Uh yeah, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna call uh you know the Bidwells. I'm a good friend of the Bidwells. He's come on my yacht a couple of times, and um we're gonna we're gonna work out a deal to get DeAndre (laughs) Hopkins here because I mean we had Amari Cooper who was you know similar in age somewhat and we kicked him the curb. So we're gonna but we like DeAndre a little bit more, even though he potentially has lost a step. But we'll bring him in and put that star on the side of his helmet. And he'll be a Cowboy saying, how about them Cowboys? How about them re- Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? But in reality, they have to get another wide receiver. Mm-hmm. The other thing, too, uh, 1B is that offensive line because it, it should not come down to whether or not one person's in the lineup that's going to determine if that offensive line is going to be an absolute shambles. So they have to get an offensive lineman if, if there's not one at, you know, if there's not a wide receiver you love at 26, but there's an offensive lineman there, get an offensive lineman. But you have to you have to protect Dak, or you you know you're going to have to protect his potential successor at some point too. Like the offensive line, which has been a strength for the Cowboys for you know almost a decade, has literally whittled away in front of our eyes, pretty much since like Tony Romo left. So like you have to address that offensive line issue. And then the other one is. I want to see what this offense looks like with Brian Schottenheimer and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know and and then mm-hmm. the uh, the head coach the the buffoon whose name Mike is Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy clearly yeah. not memorable for me right now, but like <laughs> Mike McCarthy hasn't called a game since he left Green Bay, and mm-hmm. their offense was top five in a lot of the statistical categories under Kellen Moore, and now you have Brian Schottenheimer who had a issue with the offensive play calling that. Russell Wilson wanted to do, and Brian Schottenheimer just wanted to run the football like it was 1985. So I want to see what this offense looks with you know those two gentlemen at the helm.
0: Yeah, I wonder if it's going to be something that helps out Dak Prescott because you know he threw what lead leading 3.8 interception rate for Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. Maybe if the running attack is more prevalent in that offense. Maybe it takes some pressure off him. Maybe he doesn't make all those mistakes because I mean, looking back on it this year, he was wild. Some games, some games he was just thrown without even looking where he's throwing to that like game against the Washington commanders. He threw a pick on like, what are you even looking at? So he looked like once mm-hmm. he looked shot. He really did like, and I truly believe that's why one of my main points was to make sure you draft a replacement for Dak Prescott. I, I think he's cashed. He's peaked. He is who he is. This is nine years into his NFL career. I don't want to do the Italian thing, but like this is nine years into his NFL career. And I'm sorry, like he's not the guy. He's not going to take it to the Super Bowl, man.
1: And Jay, maybe it's like the eye test for me, but like, is it me? Or does it like, does it just seem like he's, he hasn't run or he hasn't scrambled a lot since he broke Mm -hmm. his leg. Yep. Like
0: I I think you're right. I'm sure if you look at the stats, I'm sure the stats back up that, uh, that feeling, but I get it though. I mean, he, he basically saw his ankle come out the side of his, of his mm leg, So maybe he's taking a more cautious approach to his game, which is obviously hurting him.
1: Right. Exactly. Because that was like the thing with Russell Wilson was like, Oh, like he'll at least move the sticks and he'll make plays with his feet and he'll move the pocket. Like Russell didn't do that last year. And that was also like a comp, a little bit of Dak Prescott. And I mean, he looked like me in math class when I was called for homework (laughs) a couple of times in that pocket and with some of the reads that he was doing. So I don't know if I mean, listen, I don't blame him. I'm not taking shots at him for like, you know, being a little bit more hesitant with, you know, how bad of a leg injury that he had. I mean, that could have gone the way of Alex Smith type of deal. So. I don't blame him at all, but I mean, if part of your game is being able to move and have the, and move the chains, yeah, that's going to be a big problem. So, like, if you can get like a you know C.J. Stroud, you know, waiting in the wings type of deal on mm-hmm. let's let's not forget a rookie contract, yep. that would be fantastic. Yep, yep, yep. All
0: right, let's move on to the three-point plan for the New York Football Giants, and the first, you know. I shall. Let you, I'll, I'll let you take the lead here.
1: Oh, I mean, I don't know what money do they even have left, Jay? Um, <laughs> let's see. I mean, they're gonna. They definitely. They need to address the wide receiver issue because yep. Sterling Shepard is gonna be gone free agency, and he, he's coming off of that you know ACL uh, injury. Uh, I believe it's actually at home on the ter- on the Astro turf field. So you're gonna have to figure out the wide receiver position because you know Hodges is great, and I, you know, yeah, sure, Richie James is a guy. Uh, but I mean, you're going to have to get a stud now, whether or not that's your boy from Ohio state, what's his name, Jay? Don't want to botch it.
0: CJ Stroud.
1: Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. A a wide
0: receiver, a Jackson Smith and Jigba. And I call him JSN because it's just so much easier. And everybody, everybody around Ohio calls him JSN as well.
1: You you know, if you're going to have to get a JSN, you're going to have to get a wide receiver to open up that playbook a little bit more. Um, Offensive line uh, definitely need to address that as well, too, is at this point, it's going to have to be in the draft because they're not going to spend money now on Orlando Brown, who's going to be the best offensive lineman in the free agency pool. But they're they're not going to they're not going to pay him uh, that money, uh, in my opinion. So if you go in the draft, you get an offensive lineman. Absolutely. Uh, And. I feel like the defense is going to need to, you know, also improve mm-hmm. a little bit more uh, during the stretch. So that's going to be my my three point plan is the defensive side of the yep. football. Dexter Lawrence looked fantastic. He looked like the first round draft pick that he was at thirteen a couple of years ago. I mean Leonard Williams. I'm not too sure off the top of my head what his contract looks like. Worst case, like he'll play out this year and he'll be out the door the following season. But they're going to have to build on that defense, whether or not it's on the defensive line. Uh, personally, I think the, that secondary needs to be addressed first out of anything uh, because they were uh, burnt toast at times during the season. But that defense definitely needs to be looked at if they're going to make a run in the playoffs, even if it is the still NFC least. I'm not buying that NFC yeah. beast bullshit. Nope. Mm-mm-mm. Mm-mm. Mm -mm.
0: so uh, my first uh, point was going to be figure out the daniel jones contract slash tax situation that obviously has already been taken care of today um we hit this in the earlier part of the podcast rewind and listen to it we went in fairly hard on the fact that we think that daniel jones fleeced the new york giants Uh, he basically took him for a ride so don't want to elaborate too much on that one because we already hit on that one but then the second one is You've got to develop Evan Neal. Like Evan Neal was going to be that plug and play, you know, high prize Alabama offensive lineman. You stuck him there last year, and he's going to be phenomenal. He wasn't. He was, he was pretty spotty, sometimes flat out bad. So whatever you got to do this offseason to get him into the weight room, training, nutrition, whatever it is, um, you've got to make sure he develops into the offensive line, uh, that offensive lineman that he could be. So you know he's going to be the anchor of that uh, O line going forward. So he's got to make sure he's doing well. And then finally, number three, you hit on it as well. You gotta go after weapons for Daniel Jones. Uh, Obviously, forty million dollars is what they got paid for Daniel Jones, so it's gonna be hard to go after some prize, you know, weapons. But you know, you can get creative enough. I always believe cap is crap, and you can, if you really want somebody, you can definitely get them on the roster. So if they go after Brandon Ayuk, that could be somebody. Uh, T Higgins was out there a couple weeks ago, but then the Bengals shut that down quickly. Um, And they might go in the draft. I mean, at twenty-five, if JSN falls that low then he could potentially be a, a good replacement for uh, a good option for Daniel Jones as well.
1: You think Joe Shane is going to be drastic in the draft and, and may, maybe move up the board to get him. If he's reading the board and he and he sees like JSM might be going before he gets a shot at the apple. Yeah. You think he'll get up to the 15s?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I think he will be aggressive because, you know, it's cheaper to go in that route, right? You instead of going out there and spending a bunch of money on a Brandon Ayuk or T. Higgins or even a Jacoby Myers, like I, I think you go in the draft, you find a JSN and you try to take him. Now, if if he's gone, then there's still other wide receivers out there. It is a little bit of a it is a little bit of a weaker wide receiver class. I think in general, and we'll hit on this more in the next couple of weeks, but this is a fairly weak class for most prospects. Like, I can't think of one standout position. Like, oh, my God, there's like 10 of them there. So I think it's going to be a little bit of an inter- interesting play for, for for the Giants. But if they, if they really like somebody, they better be aggressive because there's not many talented wide receivers in the draft this year. Mm-hmm. And then finally, sir, the Washington Commanders, the fully commies, the, the formerly known as the Washington Football Team. Um, three point plan for those guys. What do you got, Puma?
1: <laughs> Besides getting a new owner, um, let's see uh, <laughs> the quarterback position because Sam mm-hmm. Howell finally got a bite at the apple at the end of the at the end of the season. But I mean, let's call it for what it is. That Wentz experiment was a colossal failure. Taylor Heineke felt was good in stretches, but then they went back to Carson Wentz and he cost them a playoff spot. And it seemed like Ron (laughs) Rivera forgot that they needed to win in order to get into the playoffs uh, potentially. So they need to, they need to address the quarterback position. Now, whether or not they stick with Sam Howell, who sure, he looked great in that last game of the season, but it was also the last game of the season. Like, we don't know what he's looked like during, during the entire season. Uh, you know, I, we haven't seen the practices. Uh, but I'm guessing, like, they like him enough uh, to potentially have him be the guy. But, you know, like I said the earlier part of the segment, you know, you can rewind and listen to it. Uh, if, they, if Dan Snyder went after Lamar Jackson to be the quarterback and address that issue, pair him with Eric the I don't be shocked at all. Um, but that's definitely one route they could go. Uh, not too sure if they'll go through the draft, but you know, maybe and maybe in free agency, maybe they'll talk themselves into getting Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Jimmy but, I mean,
0: Garoppolo.
1: They're going to have to address that quarterback issue. Mm-hmm. Um, which, God, it's just it, the, the the commies are so bad. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then the other two, it's 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 both on the defensive side of the football. It's going to be, you know, what is. Like is Chase Young going to hit that potential mm-hmm. that that he was drafted to be? And you know, I understand he had that he had a pretty bad you know knee injury, the ACL, the PCL, and I think he tore another ligament uh, in there. So he had a long road of recovery uh, coming back, and he played like one or two games last season. But I mean, he's going to have to step up and fill the fill the holes massively. For uh, for this defensive side of the football, which was, I mean, bottom of the league in pretty much every statistical category, blaringly, blatantly you know, horrid in tr- generating turnovers uh, in the secondary, which is going to be my other part of the defense that they need to work on is the cornerback the position or, or the mm-hmm. linebacker. I mean, they need to get some bodies back there that could generate turnovers and, you know, take the heat off of the, the defensive line that really was just, you know, Deron Payne at times uh in you know and jonathan allen uh at times really getting any pressure up front so they're gonna have to address that and then kind of like i'm throwing a fourth bullet point in there but like it's blatantly for it. obvious for this team the offensive line because they mm-hmm. let brandon sheriff walk last year in free agency and he went to Jacksonville and Sheriff in my opinion is probably top five offensive linemen in the NFL today. They let him walk, and that offensive line was god-awful. Like, it, it was a sieve. I'm pretty sure they were probably the only team in the NFL that was at double-digit offensive linemen combinations throughout the season. In like a 17 weeks in a season, they they hit double digits on different combos. So the, the offensive line is a massive hole that needs to be plugged as well, too.
0: Yeah. And uh, and I'm right there with you with my number one uh, bullet point for the off season. man. The Commanders, what another off season, another question mark at quarterback. Like I feel like this is what six, seven years in a row where we really have no idea who's going to be the the quarterback. Listen, it's very simple. You've got to find a franchise quarterback in the future. You can't just keep doing this over and over again on a yearly basis. On top of that, like you know, looking at their roster, like Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson. I mean, that is sneaky, like, could be the best wide receiver room in the NFL. Like, I mean, that's right up there with some of the best weapons uh, in the NFL. So whatever you got to do to get a franchise quarterback, I like your idea earlier of uh, going after Lamar Jackson hardcore, even though, you know, it could be a nephew on the way out by the owner. But still, it would plug in a, a nice quarterback at that position. So that's got to happen. You got to find a quarterback. Number two, you can't let Deron Payne walk in free agency. Like, you hit on it. He's one of the best defensive tackles on the market, and it's important you bring him back. You know him with Sweat, and obviously when Chase Young gets healthy, like that's that's formidable. Like you can't you can't really mess with that. And then number three, the back end of the defense. I mean, it's it's horrid. Like you've got to go after a cornerback hardcore at number sixteen. Um, you, I mean, obviously it's a little early for draft talk, but I've got a couple guys in mind. Uh Illinois cornerback uh Devin Witherspoon or South Carolina cornerback Cam Smith. I think both guys are perfect for that fit. Um, long range cornerbacks that could do really well in that system.
1: Yep. And then on, of course, on top of that, you know, change of ownership. <laughs> yeah. Get the bad you yes, out. But can uh, you also imagine like the 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 commanders like that stadium is god awful? Like FedEx mm-hmm. Field is is yeah. is a dump. But, like, to go back to Lamar real quick, like, you bring Lamar in there, Mm -hmm. you're now going to actually have home fans in the stands. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be an easy road game that people are going to fly into uh, to see, like, the Dallas Cowboys or whatever. You'll be able to have your own home fans at FedEx Field rocking. And then looking down the road, like, having Lamar Jackson as your quarterback is going to potentially – Open doors to get new, new like land land deals, so you can have a new stadium. And this is also assuming that Dan Snyder is not going to be there anymore. But yeah. you have Lamar Jackson there. That is going to that's going to help the value of the franchise, and that's going to help with you know potentially getting a land deal because FedEx yeah. has got awful. We've all seen the videos of sewage coming yeah. down, and like <laughs> yep. the, it's like a it's like a hundred and twenty seats, one hundred twenty thousand seat stadium. That they like no. they have to close. It's like it's like the Oakland Coliseum for the Oakland A's and baseball, but like all the like on the East Coast version of that it is a, it's like a toxic waste dump. They need to get a new stadium. I think Lamar Jackson could help that.
0: Yeah, and I I know earlier you brought it up and you were joking, but the more I think about it. I think Daniel Snyder, as a last-ditch effort to try to win some fans back in his corner, could make that big swing. Imagine making that big swing for Lamar Jackson and all the negative press. Everything that's happened the last six years in Washington, it doesn't get washed away, but people start thinking about him in a different light. Like winning cures everything simply put if the washington football team started winning i'm sorry washington commanders now if the washington Commanders started winning next year with lamar jackson it would cure a lot of problems for daniel snyder
1: Mm -hmm. dude i'm telling you it is not beyond the realm of possibility that's a a good
0: point Puma. that's a good point dan
1: snyder (laughs) is going to open that checkbook and say oh house committee of investigations oh washington post on Google. I'm going to get this guy to either like the NFL is going to have to suck on it or I'll just be like mm-hmm. hey Bank of America let's actually do that deal with Jeff Bezos now and yeah, in the words yeah. of that coach and that gif or, or that meme tell him to bring me my money
0: <laughs> absolutely absolutely All right. before we move on to the uh, last uh, topic we've got a special guest that dropped a comment
1: oh look at that the better half in it's the pod. Mrs. Puma.
0: Mrs. Mrs. Puma, Puma. saying hello.
1: Yes. <laughs> Love you. This is great. Uh, but yeah, no, it's great, great, to, great to have everybody tuning in. Love this so much. All
0: right, and then final uh, segment today: best performance for the NFL Combine. Uh, NFL Combine has gone, has come and gone. Um, you watched some of it. I watched some of it. I watched a lot of highlights of it. Uh, who do you think stood out to you? Was there somebody that was like, oh wow, that that guy's definitely you know stock rose in those three days?
1: uh the blatantly obvious one is uh Anthony Richardson air 15 mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. that dude with like a what was it a 48 and a half inch vertical and then like the you know the long jump and you know he, he had the blazing 4 four forty, mm-hmm. like yep. that that just solidified you know a lot of these guys like the Colts the Texans and and everybody else it's, you know hey like this is this is potentially like a franchise and potentially game altering quarterback that we have here like you know cam cam Newton. like if cam newton and uh had had, had like another like little love child that's ar-15 here like he's built like a brick shit house <laughs> yeah. and you get potentially you know you get the potential of like a josh allen with the arm it's just going to come down to whether or not, like, the NFL is going to val- really roll the dice on burning, like, a top-five pick on on yeah. Anthony Richardson. Yeah.
0: It's funny because you always give me crap, Puma, for having my 14-leg parlays. You're always like, oh, yeah. my God,
1: it's never going to hit. Point taken.
0: Meanwhile, meanwhile, NFL GMs are literally just, like, gambling away their future for for a potential, for, like, something small that might not even happen. So um, I don't know what's taken a hold of the NFL with Anthony Richardson. Um, I feel like he's mesmerized everybody. But other than that, other than him, I was really impressed with Stetson Bennett, Mm. CJ Stroud, and Dorian Thompson Robinson. Keep an eye out for DTR, Dorian Thompson Robinson. He's he's one of those quarterbacks that's going to fly under the radar but whoever takes him as a developmental guy is gonna be really happy with him. He plays for Chip Kelly in the UCLA fast track offense. So obviously he's gotta have speed. I mean, the kids gotta you gotta to move to be able to be playing in Chip Kelly's offense. So
1: he looked good he, against USC.
0: Yes, he did. He's got a good arm. He's got a good head on his shoulders. Uh, I personally wouldn't mind if the Patriots took a flyer on him late in the uh, late in the draft. They were in love with him at the Shrine Bowl, and I think he'll be he'll be a good pro for a long time. Now, obviously, CJ Stroud, he's going to go in the top five, six, seven, but he showed out. Like a lot of people were impressed with his with his arm. Obviously, I've seen him on a consistent basis on the you know for two years now, so I know who what, what he's made of. But I think a lot of people were surprised that he has such a big cannon. And then finally, Stetson Bennett. He's gonna be he's gonna be an interesting story because he has such heart, man. Like he ran a good time. He he came in fairly really well with his physical as well, and his arm looks good in his in the throwing sessions. But whoever takes him is gonna is gonna have a pro's pro that came through the fire at Georgia, and I think he's gonna do wonders in the NFL as well. So uh, the combine, like it's it's one of those things where like you know it's just it's just like people running around in shorts. But you can tell a lot by somebody's demeanor in, in those drills as well.
1: You think he can sneak into the first round?
0: Stetson Bennett? Absolutely not. No, no, no way in hell. No way in hell. Unless unless you get like really, really needy. He'll be there day two. He'll be there day two. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> and then the other one, this is a story I heard. Uh was that uh was it not Jason Voorhees? That's the uh, Friday the thirteenth killer, but the uh the, the uh offense, offensive lineman from Stanford. He blew his ACL out. USC, yep. Mm -hmm. Yep, USC blew his ACL out. This guy on one leg, bench press, like the 235, 35 Mm -hmm. times. Uh, Like, I mean, if you want to take a – and he was also a top 100 prospect on uh, Daniel Jeremiah's board, so – I mean, if you're an offensive lineman needy team and want to ride it out for a year while he recovers, like I wouldn't look at you funny, but I thought that was incredible. Blows his knee out, is like on the crutches, and it's not like the little wooden ones. It's like the one with like you know you have like the, the arch in the front. And you put like a little cup holder type of deal on there. Like yeah. he he was hobbling out there, did the bench press, and hobbled his ass out of there, man. Mm-hmm. Like nope, you you are wired different if you're gonna do that. Type of nonsense right after you blow your knee out. Yeah.
0: That was nice. Um, any other comments or questions or topics you want to get to before we head out, or what are you thinking, man?
1: No, that's it. That's all I before got, brother.
0: We plug it up. Uh a uh a commenter said this.
1: Parlays. Yes, for life. yes. Wow. good, Tara. Good.
0: Wow. Wow. <laughs> All right, brother, man, let's plug it up. All right,
1: well, this episode of the pod and previous episodes of the Pro Football Radio podcast can be found on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts at, YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to the page, hit a little bell button. do will make sure you're notified when these videos are dropped in your feed, social media Facebook, Instagram, Instagram on Twitter, Brando underscore Puma and Jay Chima, the captain of the ship on the ones and the twos is at Jay Chima. sure to hit us up on social media. The DMs are open and if you want to hear Jay Chima's strategy on Parlays for Life, definitely hit that man up. He will make sure you win all that cold hard cash.
0: (laughs) right, we'll see you guys next week.
1: Vaya Candios!